When you hear the phrase, head of the church, what comes to mind? Well, you guys know the answer. Sounds like a Sunday school class. Always, the answer is always Jesus. Doesn't matter what the question is, it's always Jesus. But you know, some people actually, when they hear that phrase, head of the church, they think of a pope or a priest, a cardinal. Maybe you don't know this, but we have a cardinal at our church. He is. He flies around out there. He's a big red bird. Uh, he's a little crazy. Um, he likes to fight with his reflection in any reflected glass. So oftentimes I'll come up the foyer and he is standing at the window pecking at himself. In fact, I've seen him over there attack Will's car while I'm preaching. Just stood there and thought, there's the cardinal. He's at it again. But he's not the head of the church. A lot of people, when they hear that phrase, head of the church, they might think of an influential pastor or a Christian leader. I've even had people refer to me as the head of this church. And there could be nothing further from the truth. I am not the head of this church. The New Testament teaches that Jesus Christ is the head of the church. So you're right when you say the answer is Jesus. He is the head. It's referenced many times in scripture, uh, like in this amazing, glorious description of Christ that the Apostle Paul gave to the church, the Colossian church. In Colossians 1.15, he writes, Jesus is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, say all things, all things were created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. How many things? Verse 18, and... He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Wow. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. How can you not love that passage? What an amazing, uh, rich text for us to read. It is so powerful in its description of the preeminence of Christ that by him and through him and for him, all things were created. <laughs> and that he is the head of the church, which is not a human organization, but rather a living organism. It is the body of Christ, which is not to be run like a business or a corporation or an institution or a political party, but as a body with a head. And that head is Jesus. For he, 
Like our head governs our body, he governs his body. His governance comes through his headship over us and he directs us and guides us and leads us and yes, governs his body. So when you think about who leads the church, a church, any church, the answer better be Jesus or it's not church. It's not church if Jesus is not the head. As Brother Curtis likes to say, we must always remember whose church it is. And it's not mine, it's not yours, it's his. He is the head, and he leads it the way that he sees fit. Amen? Amen. Now, one of the ways that he leads his body is by calling each of us, each one who are in Christ Jesus, who are in his body, to an active priestly responsibility. He has a job for all of us. Every one of us who are in Christ, not just the select few or paid clergy, but everyone in the the body is called to be a priest and a minister. Peter writes this in 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen race. Now that you is a plural you. Might be better said you all, or in the South, y'all. Y'all chosen race. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that y'all may proclaim the excellencies of him who called y'all out of darkness and into marvelous light. He didn't just say that you're a kingdom of priests, those that are on staff, or those that are leading, or those that have been here a long time. He said, y'all are a royal priesthood. That's all of us. Revelation 1, 5 says, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and made us a kingdom, priest, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The New Testament doesn't teach a priesthood of clergy. It teaches a priesthood of believers. Every Jesus follower, those found in Christ, are also priests to God our Father. Every one of you, And not only are you a priest when you are in Christ, you are likewise called into ministry. You, as a believer, are his priest and his minister. That's why Paul wrote to the Ephesian church and he said this, and he gave the apostles, that is Jesus, he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for the building up of the body of Christ. Now, a lot of Christians believe, and even more Christians act like, that there are only five groups of people that are supposed to do the ministry. Any of these five, apostles, sure, they should be doing ministry. Prophets, yeah, of course. Evangelists, mm mm-hmm. Shepherds, teachers. Sounds like they should be doing the ministry. But that's not what Paul said. 
Paul said that they were given to the church to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry. That means everyone in Christ is a minister of the gospel. We have way too many people that are sitting in pews and not enough people that are on the field playing the game. The church was never intended to be a spectator sport. We were called out of darkness into marvelous light so that we could share the light with others. We're all called to be his priest. We're all called to be his ministers. And the moment we let a paid professional do what we were called to do is not only dereliction of duties, we'll stand before God and answer for it. And those that are in the ministry that are supposed to be paid to do it, if they go about doing it that way without challenging the body to be his ministers, we've got trouble. One of the things that I believe the body, that the Lord is doing in the church today is breaking out of this mindset. You are all called to be a minister of the gospel wherever you are, in your home first, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, in the marketplace, wherever you are, you are called to do the work of ministry. I didn't mean to preach like that. <clears throat> When you come to Christ, you don't just join, you enlist. You don't just receive, you give. You're not just ministered to, you minister. So, with that as a foundation, it's helpful to realize, however, that God has called some members of the body to lead. Servant leaders are critical. Jesus showed us his own life was an example on how we should lead. Remember, on the night that he was betrayed, he took an apron and did the menial task of washing these gross, ugly, gnarly feet of his followers. They were embarrassed that he would have done, they would never stoop that low to do that, and he was doing it. So doesn't necessarily mean that leaders are what we think they might be. They might have to get their hands dirty washing grimy feet. But nonetheless, Jesus has called those to be servant leaders to his people, for his people. We see evidence of leadership throughout the New Testament, like in these two verses in Hebrews 13. Remember, your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God, consider the outcome of their, their way of life and imitate their faith. And then in verse 17, he writes, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls as those who will have to give an account. And then Paul says to the church in Thessalonica, We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you, and to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. It's good to give honor to leadership. I'm very grateful for the, for the example that Brother John and others have left for us in giving honor to leaders. I think it can always get out of balance a little bit. If we're not careful, we'll start esteeming people rather than the Lord. But I think that it's good, based on these scriptures right here, that we should be careful in how we give honor to those who lead us. 
The early church leaders were commonly called elders. And you'll find them referenced in almost every New Testament church that's referenced in the New Testament. Churches like in Jerusalem, in Acts 15, where it said, Then it seemed good to the apostles and the elders, with the whole church, to choose men from among them and send them to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas. It was a collective decision that the Lord led these men, leaders, the apostles and elders, and then the whole church to send men with Paul and Barnabas. And then in all the churches that Paul founded throughout his missionary journeys, and in particular, we read about it for those of his first missionary journey. This is what it says in Acts 14. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Every church. It wasn't, I'd be careful, but there wasn't an organizational structure that allowed for one central place to govern all those churches. In every church, they appointed elders. And specifically in Ephesus, where Paul spent a considerable amount of time and no doubt had tremendous affection for this thriving church. He, he used it as a base to minister into all of Asia and tremendous things happened in Ephesus. And he loved that church and their elders. And so when he was on his way to Jerusalem, where he would no doubt face opposition and arrest and eventually be taken to Rome, where he would suffer a martyr's death, he, on his way to Jerusalem, stopped and he asked for the Ephesus elders to come see him. In Acts 20, 17, it says, Now from Miletus, he, he sent to Ephesus and he called the elders of the church to come to him. And he says several things. Down in verse 28, I love this. He said, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. Elders are throughout the New Testament, referencing them, seeing what they're doing, how they're praying and fasting, how they're leading and caring. But it wasn't just Paul that talked about elders. You see it in James when he, he asked, if you're sick, call the elders. And you also see it in Peter when he wrote this in his epistle from 1 Peter 5. So I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. This is Peter speaking. He's an apostle. He's the one that Jesus said, Peter, upon this rock I will build my church. Now there's a whole lot of interpretation around that. I get it. But Peter here is identifying as an elder, not as the rock and not as even as an apostle, but as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. You know, Peter, he learned a whole lot in his life. You know, I love his story. He was a real screw up. And so I can relate. I'm so grateful for the redemption of Peter's life. Jamie loves John. He loves John because John was the beloved disciple. I like Peter because he was a screw-up. And anyway, we have this little back-and-forth thing. But Peter learned a lot. By the time he's writing this, think about the wisdom that he has gained throughout the experiences he's had of denying the Lord three times and then being restored and having all sorts of things, having the whole Cornelius debacle thing going on, you know, and people accusing him of, you know, being a Ju Judaizer. And so, but Peter's learned a lot 
Again, I'm preaching. I don't know why. Um, But he is a fellow elder and he's a witness of the sufferings of Christ as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Peter knows where he finds his value now. It's in what he's witnessed in Christ. And it's what he's partaken in, that glory that's going to be revealed. And then he says to these elders, as a fellow elder, shepherd the flock. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. As God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. There's a lot of talk about elders in the church, in the New Testament. Jesus, who is the head of the church, having called all of us into ministry as a priest to God our Father, has also appointed some as elders. And sometimes you'll see scripture refer to them as overseers or bishops or shepherds, pastors. But they are always seen as elders. And in all of this, it's pretty clear that God's will in the local church, according to the way I read scripture as best I can, and it's, it's finite at best, but I got a lot of smart people sitting right here, Leroy Curtis and Curtis Foreman. These guys are, they can correct me if I'm wrong. And they will. But at best I can read scripture, it is God's will for the local church to have elders as its primary leadership. Submitted to Jesus himself as the head. And then allowing every member that's in the body to function as a priest and minister. And so, here's our little church in Lawrenceville, Georgia. A church that has tremendous history with some amazing men and women of God that have been a part of it over the course of its history. I was visiting with Lucille this last week, or yeah, maybe it was a week before. We were talking about her husband, Paul, and Paul and Lucille were kind of founding members of this church community back in the 1970s. Um, She's still going strong for the Lord. Brother John was pastor of this church for 27 years. He believed in elders. He himself was an elder among other elders. And that's the way this church was governed. Think about Brother Curtis and think about all those that have gone before us. And there are many. We have a great history of the way the Lord has cared for us by giving us good leaders. And I'm so grateful. But here we are in 2022 Covenant Life Church, desiring to live under the headship of Jesus. We want to we make sure we know who's in charge. It's not the cardinal, the crazy cardinal flying outside. It's Jesus. Jesus is the head. And we want that to be at the center of all that we do. And out of that, we want to make sure that every believer who is in Christ that is a part of this church, they see themselves and understand that they are a priest before God, their father. And that they are all, we are all called into ministry, the ministry of the gospel. But in that place, 
we are also called to be led by a presbytery of elders. Men of God called to steward what Jesus has established in this portion of his body, in this spiritual family. We're blessed. We're blessed to have Curtis Foreman and Jamie Johnson and Jim Rector, Jay Center, Roger Hyatt, and Bill Conley. These six men, along with me, who are called to shepherd the flock, to give careful attention to God's people, to feed and to lead, and to be challenging as well as compassionate. God has given us great leaders, and I can assure you that my love for these men has grown exponentially, especially over the last two years, as we have continued to seek the Lord in very turbulent times, wanting to know his will and his direction. And we have had contentious things that have been facing us. And yet, because of God's grace upon these men, I can say with confidence, we have been led by the Lord. We've not been perfect, but we have fought for unity, a spirit of unity, and we have desired to lead God's people. The contingency that God has given us responsibility for graciously into the purposes of God. And I am so grateful for each one of them. In fact, can you express gratitude to each of those right now? Today, we are ordaining an eighth elder in our church by laying on of hands, not not handling him, but laying on of hands, which is a biblical thing to do, to our newest elder, James Williams. The Bible says in Titus 1, an elder must be blameless, faithful to his wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer manages God's household, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, nor violent, not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it and refute those who oppose it. Our ordination of James this morning is not an initiation, it's a recognition of what God has done and what God is doing. We're not giving James a new job, we're simply recognizing the work he and Katie have already been doing. We have sought the Lord in this matter for some months now. We do believe that over the coming years, there will be others added to our elder uh, presbytery. And we recognize that that is what God is leading us into. But we have sought the Lord with respect to James, James and Katie, and believe with full confidence that we can say to you that it seems right to us and to the Holy Spirit to set James apart this day as an elder in our church. And as we lay hands on him and pray, 
we are expecting a lot. We're expecting an impartation of the Holy Spirit. We're expecting an affirmation of God's work in their lives. And we're expecting a commissioning in their continued service unto the Lord. I know you will join with us as we pray for James and pray for James and Katie together. Because as Bill Conley often reminds us, the two have become one. And Katie's part in this is a very vital part. As any elder who is married will concede, without my wife, I could not do unto the Lord what God has called me to do. And so we're going to ask James and Katie to come and we're going to spend a few moments praying for them. This is a lot of commissioning today. Patrick's going to set some chairs up here for us. He, he's, got, he's got them, Curtis. He's got them right there. And uh, we're going to ask them to come and sit here. And I'm going to ask each of the elders and their wives. I think Jim could not be here, right, Linda? But Linda, you come on, okay? You come anyway. Great. We're going to have you guys sit. I'm going to ask... Uh, each of the elders and their wives, and uh, Noni, would you come up too as well, just standing in for Brother John? I'm going to ask Kathy, James's mom, who is here, to come on up. We'd love for you to stand with us. And then James and Katie would like Kevin to come and stand with them as well. Kevin's been very important in James's life. Y'all come around here. Come on, get close to him. We're not going to be far from him. We get close. Yes. Amen. Now, there's a microphone somewhere. Here it comes. Here it comes. All right. So this is important, and I know that you believe it's important too. So we're going to give the moments, the time to allow for the Lord to speak. We're going to give time for, for different elders, all if necessary, to pray or to offer encouragement or a word of uh, a prophecy even, if that's the case. And so... You join with us because this is a time for us to commission them in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, for this couple. We thank you, God, that you have done a work in their lives. We've witnessed it. You uh, established them in you first and foremost. You called them to yourself. They have a commitment to you. They are disciples of Jesus. They have denied themselves, picked up their cross, and are following you. And you brought them together in marriage. We got to celebrate that. And you brought them through even hardships and difficulties, Lord. We've seen the blessing of three wonderful children in their lives. We've witnessed how you have blended them together to be better than they could have been separate from each other. We've witnessed how you have caused compassion and the call of God to rest on them. And how that has propelled them into loving others, to sacrificially giving of themselves. And so we now take these moments to recognize what you have done in them. We're not soliciting something new, we're recognizing what has been done. And so we pray right now that this moment will be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit that your Holy Spirit will not only fill this place, but fill your servants. Fill them, God. That there would be a powerful manifestation 
an impartation of you in them. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. James, I've watched you grow up with my son, younger son, and I'm so proud of you. God is putting a lot into you as I was praying for you and reading uh, Timothy today. There were a couple of verses that stood out. I know they're for me and I hope they're for you. It's 1 Timothy 1.3. The goal of this command is love which comes from a pure heart and a pure and a good conscience and a sincere faith. Yes. All of that you have in the name of Jesus. Amen. In the second verses <clears throat> two five. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. As long as you keep those scriptures in mind, you'll walk as a worthy elder. Yes. Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Father, I just ask Thank you, Lord. that you'd anoint him afresh with your Holy Spirit, that the power of God would be resident in he and Katie. Bless them, Lord. Make your face shine upon. Bless everything they do. They're going out, they're coming in, everything their hand touches. In the name of Jesus, amen. This, this is something that I heard this morning. Because you have chosen to put the Lord first, he is giving given you a heart of compassion so that through you and through the Holy Spirit, the captives will be set free. Amen. Amen. Jesus, we're grateful for the way you've done all of this in James and Katie. It's not a, it's not a simple story. They are two kids who grew up in this church, but they've been all over the place. And you prepared them for this day, you brought them together. Even the way that you have knit them together is, is important for us, Lord. First of all, that they deeply love each other, that they've allowed you to pound the two of them into becoming one in a way where there's, there's real synergy and there's the power of the Holy Spirit in them together. Yes. And Lord, they've walked with integrity in fact, it's been a critical piece for them to, to see health and to see things done well and that they would live in the quiet outside of the public things just as well as they do in the public things. Lord, you have drawn them into being good workers. You've drawn them into being good um, sisters and brothers and sons and daughters, good parents, good friends. And Lord, you have taught them how to be good disciples, and they continue to demonstrate that. Lord, you've led them into opening their home to not only their neighbors and every person in their neighborhood that would come, 
but also to a small group, a, a home group, a group of people that they walk together with, that they love alongside Patrick and Melody. Lord, they have been involved in uh, the, the daily fight of this church in a significant way. And you have demonstrated the supernatural power and giftings that you've put within them in different moments. Katie's prophetic voice, James's pastoral sense of humor that works together to keep us going. You have led James as a friend to many of the young men that sit out in this congregation, some of which will be up here one day. And Lord, in a way, he and Katie go before the next generation of leaders and step into making a way. Um, they, they function as a bridge. And Lord, you have put in James a heart that is about relationships. And he, he loves people. He loves people to his own hurt. He is a person who fears you is willing to stand in the midst of loving people to go ahead and disappoint them if you're saying to. And Lord, in, in a way, it's a, it's a credit to your love for us or a demonstration of your love for us that you would raise up a young couple like this and that you would set them in. Lord, today we thank you. And as Chris said, there's nothing more that needs to be added for them to be able to stand in this moment. But we do go ahead and ask for more to stand in these next moments. And as we pray for them, we're praying for all of us. Lord, we, we pray that there would be an explosion and expansion of the fivefold ministries of the church in this place. We pray, Lord, that we'd be a group of people that love each other deeply and that when people touch us and see us, they see in the natural something that reflects something eternal. But we also pray for supernatural gifts to flow in this place, that we would always be hearing you speak and that you would move miraculously. And Lord, that we would see your power, not only in the sanctuary, but in our homes, in our neighborhoods, in our marketplace. We pray that you would equip us for this next, this next age, this next time. We pray, Lord, that those of us who are out in the marketplace would stand and fight just as intensely as those of us who uh, find ourselves in situations that appear to be more traditional ministry. And we pray, Lord God, that what would happen in us as a congregation would be about an explosion of the gospel of your kingdom in our lives and in the lives of every single person that we touch. And we pray, Lord, that you would bring us many. Not that we want to grow for numbers, but we just pray that more and more people would know you and more and more people's lives would be changed by your power. Lord, we're grateful that James himself sought out Brother John when he was the pastor here and was discipled by him. And Lord, we, we just pray for James in this moment that you would give him a double portion of the giftings and the spirit that you've put in those of us who have stood in leadership. I pray personally for me and anybody else I can throw in there. We just pray, Lord Jesus, that you would give James a double portion and Katie a double portion of those gifts of that mantle and that there would be a sense for James and Katie that you are doing extraordinary things in this next moment. And that it would be very easy to sense your presence and very easy to see where you are in each moment to find you and to lead out of your guidance. Father, I join in the prayer 
for James and Kate and their family. We believe that Jesus is Lord, Lord of all, King of all other kings. And in his name and authority, we join with our brothers and sisters in this congregation to pray that there will be an impartation today that will magnify the fruit you've already shown, the walk you've already demonstrated, the grace and mercy and care that you have already exhibited. We're not imparting ourselves, Father. We're hopefully are imparting your hand and your spirit and your gifting to be on them in greater and greater measure for the glory of your name and for the joy of their own hearts because it is their desire to serve you and honor you. Thank you, Father. Well, we stand before you as one. That's what you guys are, one. We believe, as most everyone does, that it's God's word in us that changes us. It's not anything about us. It's all him. Today you have taken a word and placed it in your life. That word is zakin. That's the Hebrew word for elder. That word means that during the time of your life, you will be pruned. Every day that you live, God is going to find the things that there are life in there, but there's no fruit growing. He will prune that away so that you have more to give better fruit. That's what's going to be happening in your life so that you understand the word that you accepted. His word is faithful. He says it will accomplish what I designed it to accomplish. And that's what it's going to accomplish. You're going to enjoy the trip. It's a wonderful time. The pruning stinks. It hurts and it burns and it's everything. But what comes from that is amazing fruit. The fruit to love the people that are you are looking at this way. The people that are going to come in your lives. The love that you have for them is going to be immense. You won't understand it, but it's him. When he gave you the Holy Spirit, he gave you his life. His life is inside you so that you would be holy. That means set apart for a specific purpose. And that's what you're doing. Amen. And we are honored to be part, yes. to hang with you guys. James, for the Lord says to you, I've known you, I've formed you, I've called you, I've allowed you to walk, I've allowed you to run as a young stallion, free, wild, doing crazy things. I've trained you, I've brought you to the place, and now I have you harnessed to serve my people. The commission that I have always given my leaders is to feed my sheep. I tell you, feed my sheep. Do not find yourself in the place that you would exploit them, that you would abuse them, 
that you would use them. For my wrath would then come after you. But do as in your heart and you serve my people. You become the lowest and you give everything you've got in order to see my people taken care of and fed. So go forth with the commission that has been given you and feed my people, feed my sheep and be a servant to them. Give that which I have given unto you and give freely. Katie, for the Lord would say to you that I ask of you to share that which has been given to you, to give your husband, to feed my people, to give him freely that he might do that which he's called to do, to share and to walk with him and to carry his burden that he's put, that I have put upon him, to walk with him and love him and to, and, to, and to take hold of all that it is. For he cannot do and cannot accomplish that which I've called him to do if you're not standing with him. Stand with him in the hard times. Stand with him when he's abused, when he's accused, when he's prosecuted, persecuted. Stand with him and know that I stand with him. My blessing is upon you and upon him. And so go forth and be free to give that which I've given unto you. Amen. Bless the Lord. We thank you, for Lord, for your presence with us. We pray, not just this moment, but in these coming days. We honor them. We pray your protection and your effectiveness in them. And we pray that you would use us, O oh God, in this community, in this city, to do your work. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, we're grateful for the Lord's presence with us today. Very special Sunday for us. Uh, for Jubilee, what a wonderful time to celebrate her uh, and also to be able to pray for James and Katie. And so... We're just going to have a party, okay? So we have cake, and, um, and it's a little chilly outside, but we'll have opportunity in here too, and, and let's celebrate them and bless them. The Lord bless you. Let's, let's go and have a party. Amen. You're dismissed. <laughs>